welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, podcast and radio listeners far and wide. For the next two hours, we will have full, full control over what is being broadcasted for your listening pleasure. I'm your host, Tyler Fowler, and this is the Complete Center's Guide. Tonight, for the first hour, Noah Chalaya, Michael Keaton, Joshua Sherman, Ty Brillhart, and Jimmy Davison and myself are going to dive into wokeness in the church today and then move on to Joshua Sherman leading a discussion in discipleship. Then I would like to live in the past a little bit and recap the last week's uh, last week's episode, sprinkling in new aspects and definitely diving in to scripture to teach you practical steps that you can start applying tonight for fighting and actually conquering things like depression. We talked about this last week, uh, depression or discipleship issues or other personal sins. We, we, all of us on the show still struggles with sin. All of that um, is coming up and coming up next. But first and foremost, I want to thank each of you listening. We love you. And I speak for everyone, everyone in this episode of CSG. Whenever I say, we really hope this episode blesses you and you are able to glean some good fruit from it. God bless, and let's get started. Noah, Noah, my brother, what is going on, my friend? How you doing tonight? Hey, Tyler, great to be with you. How's your week been, bro? Like, it, you know, it's 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 been busy. Um, God has blessed that. I, for those that don't know, I run an IT company. That's kind of my day job. What puts mm-hmm. food on the table, uh, and IT is not suffering during COVID. Right, everybody needs help getting connected from home. So, so I, I, God has blessed me and my family. We, we've been very fortunate, um, but it, it's busy. It is, man. I'm working two jobs now. You know, yeah, you're, you I'm, said you're on 10-hour days now. Yes, we moved to 10-hour days. And then I'm also working for the radio station, right? And so, trust me, I know what you mean when you say busy. We got, you know, Kelsey, she's going on 10 months old now. Just took her first steps. Oh, that's this, so exciting. Man, last night, last night, it was actually uh, last night, she took her first four steps, man. And it's just like whenever, I was telling the guys earlier, whenever, I, it, it, it's almost like I got a how do you, how do you say it? it a view from god's perspective almost because here's the thing right we're all all of us are imperfect even being born again and yet whenever i watch my daughter take four steps as imperfect as they were i was so not only impressed i i would say that i was in awe just watching her accomplish something like that and reaching that milestone and I think God looks at us as his children like that. We're babies. We Peter calls us to yearn for the milk like babies, you know, the milk of the word. And so whenever I saw that, man, it was just, it, it was so cool. Um, I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, Michael Keaton has children, and he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Michael, what's going on, brother? How are you doing tonight? Hey, Tyler. Uh, I'm doing well. We've had some battles the last couple of weeks, but... Life has its battles, and uh, we're blessed nonetheless. I am, though, excited for tonight's show, as when this group gets together, it seems to me that the Spirit of God really moves, and this group has produced some interesting, edifying, thought-provoking, productive, and most importantly, biblical dialogue, so I'm hyped up. Absolutely, man. And see, that's the thing for those we didn't re- uh, for those who are paying attention. We haven't released an episode. We're actually we took a break last week, and then we didn't release the episode uh, because we kind of had some technical difficulties going on. So that's why I'm wanting to recap this episode, or, or last week's episode, uh, or well, I guess two weeks technically since we took last week off. But recap that for those um, who didn't get to listen live. 
Um, if you want to, later on, we'll be taking phone calls. one 450 is that number to call. If you've got a question about fighting sin or overcoming sin or anything like that, man, call us up uh, and we will... We'll take your call and take your question. Um, to move on then, uh, so uh, well, real quick, actually, Michael, I know you said you've been kind of struggling, not without giving too much away. Um, do you care to kind of go into what's been going on a little bit? I know I didn't ask you that before and kind of putting you on the spot a little bit, uh, and if you don't want to, bro, it's fine. Um, but just so we get some context, like what has been going on in your life, man? Well, uh, probably... Uh, the worst thing maybe was that uh, we woke up, I believe it was last Monday, uh, only to find out that someone uh, had hacked into our bank account mm. and left yeah. us virtually penniless, which yeah. is the most terrifying experience. Uh, not that we have a whole lot of money in the bank, mind you, but sure. a terrifying experience nonetheless. Uh, and my wife, she has some health problems. Uh, and so the kids being out of school uh, has really put put a drain on her. And so she, she just kind of went back into, she has these spells where she just takes periods of not feeling very well at all. And, uh, so that's obviously worrying to me. And, uh, so trying to help her and then neither one of us getting the sleep we should, uh, it's just been pretty rough, you know? And, uh, so we're thankful that, uh, things seem to be really doing better, uh, the last couple of days. Thank you for that. Absolutely, man. And, and just, you know, personally, bro, like if, you know, you know, you can call me anytime, man. You know what I mean? And just if you ever need anything, and I sure I'm speaking for every single person uh, here. If you need anything, brother, let us know uh, for sure, man. We'd love to help you out. Um, and, and so, and like I said, I want to talk to you later um, off the air. But anyway, uh, moving on then. Uh, Joshua Sherman, what's up, brother? How you been? Uh, so this is Joshua. I think what is it? Fourth time now. I'm going to quit counting uh, because we're going to be Joshua and <laughs> It'll Jimmy. Be and, if you stop, yeah, <laughs> right. It will be eventually. Um, but how's your week been, dude? Like, how's it been uh, for actually the last two weeks uh, since uh, CSG last time? What's changed? It's, it's what's been pretty new? Good. I, yeah. uh, I, I just this week actually launched a, a new podcast. So nice. Uh, that's exciting. I'm still kind of sifting through all the like things I have to do to, to launch it in different places. And I got to work this weekend on YouTube because that's a whole different thing from podcast and, and, and all that. But uh, I'm focused on, on the gospel and yep. just trying to go through it and get people focused on, on different aspects of it that maybe we've, we've lost sight of, or we don't really think about um, because I want people to be, be excited about the good news of Jesus Christ. I want them to see how big and beautiful this news really is. Uh, and um, I feel like, especially in, in our society, we, we don't really know how to connect people with, with that. So really trying to help people do that and, and uh, looking forward to seeing some fruit from that. Absolutely, man. And it is, it's hard to, it seems like it's hard to connect, you know, because we look at the Bible and we look at scripture and we see how they kind of went about it. But when, with culture change, and I'm not saying change the message or anything like that, what I am saying, though, there are different approaches that we take in a 21st century context, right? I mean, we can preach the gospel at a rock concert now. I mean, it's amazing to literally see how God can take, you know, even worldly things like that and use them for his glory, like technology. This podcast, for example, 36 countries. I mean, that's something that I, I'm extremely proud of because, you know, just to see God work through that to preach the gospel to the nations like you're trying to do now, Josh. That's amazing, man. And I know God's going to bless it. Just keep that first, brother, and everything will turn out fine. I think good fruit, I know, I know good fruit uh, will come from that. Ty Brillhart, Mr. Twin Man, what is going on, brother? How are you doing tonight? 
Okay, Tyler, how are you? Good. Well, great. I'm pumped for this episode, man. Like, I'm <laughs> super excited about this. Yeah. So, uh, man, I was here two weeks ago as well, and yep, kind of bummed about that. But you know, technology happens. You know, it does. It's supposed to make your life easier, but you know, more times than not, it seems to complicate things sometimes. <laughs> but yeah. So, I think this is my fourth, technically my fourth time with you if you count two weeks ago but Mm -hmm. i'm excited to be here excited to be with these guys and with the other two not being here we've got tyler tyler josh and josh noah michael so we've got (laughs) full house little dual (laughs) dual names going on there right right no so and and for those who did catch the episode on the radio or on kqq uh, radio.com you'll notice that chase orozco and travis worth are not here tonight they're both dealing with some personal things i think chase had work uh travis is sick so if y'all could be praying for them i know they both wanted to be here uh tonight to you know kind of just dive in uh to this again and recap um all of these different things uh like like depression and and just All of these different aspects of the Christian life, of the Christian walk, right? Because it is a very—Christianity is not just theological. Christianity is, I would say, one—like, Jesus is 100% God, 100% man. This is 100% theological, 100% practical as well, right? And so just just to kind of get in to the episode, I want to— I said it at the beginning— we are all sinners, right? And I've been reading Luke. And 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 here's the thing, man. I I came to the prodigal son. And looking at that story fresh, this is kind of the new aspect that I didn't do last week or, or the week before um, that I do want di- to, because we're all that prodigal son. Like I said, I, I mentioned Kelsey for a reason tonight. Watching her from a point of, from the point of view of a father, right, of a dad, reading the prodigal son, knowing and experiencing what it is like to be the father in that has brought this into a whole new context. And if you don't have children, unfortunately, you won't understand what I'm talking about. Nieces and nephews are great, but whenever it's your own children, it's something completely different. So I would like to start out reading the parable that Jesus taught um, the prodigal son. I'm reading from the NET. This is in Luke 15, uh, verse 11. It starts out like this. It says, Then Jesus said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that will belong to me. So he divided his assets between them. After a few days, the younger son gathered together all he had and left on a journey to a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth and wild lifestyle. Then after he had spent everything, a severe famine took place in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and worked for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He was longing to eat the carob pods. The pigs were eating. He's willing to eat this same food, this same slop, basically, that these pigs were eating. He said, but no, or uh, Luke goes on to say, but no one gave him anything, uh, anything. Uh, Verse 17 says, but when he came to his senses, now this is repentance. Whenever he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired workers have food enough to spare? But here I am dying 
from hunger, I will get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired workers. The son was willing to be a slave, well, a paid slave, because he didn't think his father would accept him back. Verse 20 says, So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way from home, his father saw him and his heart went out to him. He ran and hugged his son and kissed him. Then his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Hurry, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate because the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now, I could go on, but the point is this, is whenever there's a moment, I think, not in everybody's life because everybody doesn't repent and place their faith in Christ, but for the believer, for the person who has repented, placed their faith in Christ, we are called children of God, children not born of you know flesh or blood, but born of God, right? And this is so important, I think, because whenever that child, whenever you, anyone listening now who hasn't placed their faith in Christ, this is going to happen to you tonight, right? It's so amazing how grace works, right? But anyway, the point is of the story is whenever we come to that sudden realization, and this doesn't, this ain't a one-time thing, ladies and gentlemen. This is a continuous thing because Jesus taught us whenever we pray to confess our sins, right? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Now, I don't know about you, but I tend to pray that model, that prayer every single day. But the point is this, is that whenever we have that repentance moment, that experience, we run to God. And that doesn't change after we're born again. We have a relationship now with God the Father. So if you're struggling with things like depression or and you're isolating yourself from people, because let me tell you guys something, each and every one of us know that's what this leads to. Sin can literally kill you if you let it. I've seen people kill themselves. Oh, excuse me. I haven't seen people kill themselves. I've heard of people who have killed themselves, personal friends who have killed themselves, because of the weight of their sin that was on them. They could not shake it. They were, show, they were so ashamed of themselves and what they had done. They had taken their life. And I wish, I pray that I would have a second chance to say, hey, you don't have to die because somebody already died for you. Somebody already took your place. Trust him. Believe him. And here's the thing. Whenever we realize that, and we get back and we run to that creator, to that savior, whenever we really see Jesus for who he is as savior, king, and Lord. And whenever we run back to him, Jesus said in the same chapter that I just read, go back and read it, that whenever one, one sinner repents, all of the host of the, the, the heavens celebrate and rejoice. This is something that pleases not only God, he's the only one that matters, but it pleases the entire heavenly host whenever we repent. So the point I'm trying to make, recapping it a little bit, is whenever it comes to depression, whenever it comes to isolation, whenever it comes to the guilt of your sin, know this. One, Jesus died for that. And Isaiah 53 and 2 Peter says that he bore our sins on the cross. 
everyone who would believe in him. He would he bore their sins on the cross. And whenever we trust him and we repent and place our faith in him, his perfection, all of that righteousness, we don't have to be ashamed of our sin anymore because he has already fulfilled the law on our behalf. He's already done the work. All that's left is to believe. And I'm sorry for being long-winded. Um, uh, did, 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 Noah, anything, comments, questions, concerns about the prodigal or anything uh, that kind of I've just been talking about uh, recently? I, I guess here's what I would say. I would say yeah. that one of the things that I, that I guess took me by surprise or that I learned um, when my kids came into my life mm-hmm. is that you start to understand more about why Jesus is so protective of children and why Jesus constantly refers to children as an example for us adults to follow. And the the reason for that is children are so innocent, they naturally see the good in people and they see the good in people because they see the good that uh, God coming through people. And, and, And that's their... They haven't been tainted as much by the world of sin, right? Once they start to get a little bit older, they begin to experience hurt and they begin to experience disappointment. And when those things start to come into their lives, it has a negative effect because hurt people hurt other people. And so our goal as parents is, of course, to try to teach kids, much like the father in the prodigal son story, try to teach our kids to grow up to be God-fearing, responsible adults. But it doesn't always work that way, and it doesn't always work out that way, and and that's sin coming into the world. And and so when when I when I get the opportunity to be around new life, or when I see kids playing, I'm not sure if I told the story on on CSG or not, but my my kids were having this discussion about which guy on the TV, the black guy or the white guy, was the hero and which one was the villain. And I'm looking, and both of my kids have these the 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 skin color of these two individuals, cartoon characters confused they're calling the white guy the black guy and they're calling the black guy the white guy and i'm sitting there scratching my head I'm trying to figure out what, what are they talking about what are they and it's not until my daughter references the green guy that it occurs to me they're not looking at the color of the skin they're looking at the color of the jackets and the man that had the, the darker complexion had a white jacket on the man that had a lighter complexion and a dark jacket on skin color was totally transparent to my kids they had no idea they don't think to, to think less of somebody because of the color of their skin or because of the way they talk or because none of that occurs to kids naturally. We teach it. We, br- we, we, we bring that in. And a lot of that is us bringing in our, our fears and, 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 and our, 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 our fear of change, our fear of something different. Um, and, and, th- and that, and, and that, I guess, over a prolonged period of time, has the tendency to get to a point where somebody starts to say, well, yeah, why wouldn't I take all this money and go and buy everything I want? Why why would I sit here and be responsible my whole life when there's a world to live and there's things to do and I've got the money to do it and I've got the things to do it, right? And we want to run away from that discipline because it feels good to think about ourselves. It feels good to do what we want to do and not what God wants to do. I say something to that as well. Yeah, go ahead. So, you know, the part of... Part of this particular episode is looking at how we all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect or anything like that. And, you know, uh, a parent, when the kid is going to stick the fork in the electrical socket, you do what you need to do to get the fork away from the kid. You know, e- even if it may look harsh 
to the child. The child might not understand why the parent is taking away what they think is shiny. And so real quick time, my daughter loves to pl- or wants to play with electrical sockets, right? And, and, and power strips and all of these fun things that she's not supposed to touch. It seems uh, like she's drawn to the things scissors. she's not supposed to touch. Yes. Yep. And so well, it's like, absolutely. I don't mean to interrupt, but yes, I know no, exactly no, what good. you're talking about. But the point is whenever I grab her and no, she is peed okay she gets ticked <laughs> and because she wants it so bad so to Noah's point yes and whenever we get older we get the more freedom you know whenever we get 18 we can go out of our house and all these different things to go and do this thing like the the young man in the in the story uh the the prodigal son how he went out and blew that's my story okay i went out and blew everything right and i know that's a couple other people's story on here as well but not to ramble on about that just you know my two cents on that one um, sure. Michael, uh, Michael or Tyler or Ty, was you done or, uh, no, I just had, uh, yeah, go ahead. say, you know, you Please. take it away, they cry, whatever, you know, cause there's a, there's a progression. You look at the, the Genesis chapter three and you see the original temptation that Satan pointed out about the tree. Eve saw that the tree was good to the eyes, that it was delightful to the touch. You know, there's this curiosity that is in us. But the the problem is, in sinfulness, we see what things, what good things are, and we want to turn them into selfish ambition. Take sex, for example, okay? God made sex to be beautiful. The sinful curiosity is we can we can have as much as we want. It's it's we go for it or we can drink to excess or whatever, and we're not using it in the way that God intended it to be used. There is discipline, and the point of discipline is to teach us in strides how something is supposed to be handled. Light sockets are not bad things, but when they're used properly, that's the point. You don't want to stick something in and misuse what is the purpose of the whatever it might be. And so when we think of God and we think of our own sinfulness, we have desires because we're fallen, we're sinful, and we have desires to potentially take something beautiful and make it not beautiful but the point of discipline and god disciplines his children christians are not under punishment christ took the punishment for us but god still disciplines his children because a good father disciplines their children and so i think when we take on the subject of sin and the you know the the bad things that happen in our lives or whatever and we look at the situation and look how god worked look how our parents worked whatever it might be Part of repentance is turning from sin and seeing what the intention of whatever particular thing um, we're, confi- we're faced with, whether it be, you know, sticking a fork in a light socket or sex or whatever it might be. It's the point is to see why did God make this and how do I do it for the glory of God? Absolutely, because it seems like there's kind of a uh, almost a dualism whenever it comes to people in general. And one, we you said we had a uh, like tendency. I think we I think we do a really good job, and we just have to look at the Israelites in the Old Testament to see how good we are at screwing up God's intended designs, God's intended things, right? And, And so, Ty, I think you're absolutely right. Not only is chastisement, it's not for you know, God's getting, I don't, I, you know, it's not like that. God doesn't get off b- by disciplining people. It doesn't work like that. 
God is a good father. And, and, and to Ty's point, if I'm not, if I don't drag my daughter away from the electrical socket and she dies from that, right? How can I say I'm good in that <clears throat> act? It might seem like the meanest act to her at the time. And, and like us, you know, whenever God chastises us, I know I've cussed God before for chastisement because I didn't think I deserved it. And then looking back on it, yeah, I, I did. <laughs> so, but even that, so to tie it, you know, to your point, brother, yes, I, I see that a hundred percent, um, brother. Absolutely. Uh, Michael, do you have any comments on what Ty said there? Cause I think you're spot on, bro. I really uh, do. I probably would, would sort of go back to what Noah was talking about a little earlier. And he said, you know, why wouldn't someone go out and spend all, all their money. And that's, you know, the thing about that parable is that the son is described as dead. And I think that's significant. To be apart from Christ is to be dead. And when we try and build a life and live a life without Christ, we have to try and fill it with something. And in our day in Western culture, we, we, we've come up with all these ways to fill it, all these things. You know, there's sports. I can watch this football team or this basketball team, or I can watch this reality show and watch people treat each other terribly, or I can stay on social media and see what everybody's doing with their lives. And that's why you know, life without Christ, uh, we just we can see what it's done to our society. And that's why uh, I really always have had a respect for the Puritans. Uh, that's before I became an Anglican and realized in many ways they were disagreeable and unruly rebels. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, <laughs> they lived a life that was <laughs> they lived a life that was to the glory of God. Now, were the Puritans perfect? Of course not. They made mistakes, but but setting up a, a, a setting their lives around. Okay, how can I please God today? How can I be more obedient? How can I be more God centered? And, and and I'm not saying we need to become Puritans, but man, we need Christ, and it shows so much today in Western culture. We have just went so far down. It's interesting the the term that's used in in Greek when we talk about confession. If you want to just kind of make it very ro robotic, kind of translation is basically just saying the same words, right? We're saying the same words about what we what we've done and and who we are that God does. You know, that means we're saying the same words about the things that we do that are wrong. It also means saying the same words about wh who he says we are uh, as we are his children, as we confess, as we believe. And so there's there's very much the sense of just aligning ourselves with the way that God sees us and sees the world uh, involved in that. Uh, and it's bigger picture than than, you know, we even tend to think when we're focused on the one thing, you know, like, oh, this is the this is the biggest thing I did wrong right here. And it's like, yeah, you got to say the same words that God said. God says about that one thing, because if you don't, you're in denial and that's not going to get you anywhere, you know, but you also need to say the same words about all these other things, too, <laughs> that God says. Uh, and, you know, like, I feel like our society is is so focused on on running away from anything that that is godly and that's good. Yeah. Uh, and we we say, oh, man, that was great about things that are terrible. <laughs> Why do you think you know. that is, Joshua? I mean, <laughs> I, let, 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 I'll, I'll tell you why yeah. I ask. I'll tell you why I ask. I ask because yeah. I wonder if it's not we and and I watch this happen. Is I don't know if you guys are following the um, the riots that have been yeah. occurring in like India and, and and some of these other places. What you're finding around the world, there seems to be this idea of you can't tell me what to do. Yeah. Now there are th that scale obviously goes everything from humanitarian uh crises 
all the way to, well, you're just being ridiculous. But the fundamental human emotion of I will make the decisions about me. You sit this one out. I'll decide. That is a very it's it's a very natural human reaction. And, and I, I, I just I have to ask if taken if, if left unchecked in a world where you can have anything you want whenever you want it and your opinion is right because there's other people on social media that agree with you. Do we start to do we start to drift away? from something solid saying hey you know what I, I may not be right and 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 my view may not be right and maybe i need a savior well that entails that there's actually a right or a wrong that entails that yes. there has to be something that's true or false and that's something that even within the church we're seeing things stray from very rapidly well, it's because we don't like it. We don't like if there's something if we don't like that we have to submit ourselves to a higher authority. We don't like the fact that even even when it's inconvenient, we have to we have to live we we have to continue to live what we say we believe, right? Yeah. I mean, look at look at the garden. Look at look at sin, okay? Look well, first look at the creation order. You have God, man, woman, uh beast, okay? The the fall was beast seduced woman that caused woman to go against man that caused man to think he might be God above God. Mm. I mean, you have this flip flop of the created order and it comes down to, did God really say that's, that's what Satan used to tempt Eve. Did God actually say this? And the thing is, if God did say it, it's true. If we disagree with something that God says, it's not God that's at fault. It's us. <laughs> we got to figure out where the miscommunication was because yeah, he didn't exactly. get it wrong. You <laughs> made a point. I, I can't remember who made it, but we see it in the church constantly. I mean, just in the last few years, the church has accepted and started progressing. I mean, we call it progressive uh, Christianity in a lot of ways. A lot of sure. worldly things. And, I, and the term right now is woke. I mean, you have the woke movement. If you're woke, you're part of the, the whatever it might be. And the church, the, the Christians, the true biblical Christians, the ones that oppose wokeness, you know, we're bigots. We're the enemy of the world. When we're, when, when we realized, when, sorry, when we realized that God's word speaks against so much of what's coming into the church right now. I mean, you have the LGBTQ agenda making strides in the church. I mean, the the Episcopal Church in the United States, at least, is, I mean, it's it's hard to find one that is still orthodox and biblical. I mean, they kind of kind of led the way in this. You have critical race theory. That that's the newest, biggest thing that's come out right now in the church is, you know, whiteness is seen as as the unforgivable sin right now in both culture and in many churches. So and and good Christian people are starting to get on this. They're starting to become woke in a lot of ways. And my question is, why do you why why do good biblical people, or at least they were move in that direction is it white guilt is it white fragility is it you know this emotionalism like that's that's kind of the question i ask myself every day when i see these different twitter posts and pastors and theologians move this way 
let me ask this if I can. Do we see this? We, who was it that said there's nothing new under the sun? Was that a uh, writer? Yeah. What, Jimmy? Ecclesiastes. Yeah, Ecclesiastes. Um, okay. Anyway, Solomon, we, we think, right? We think Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes. Okay. So there's nothing new under the sun. So here's my question for our church history buffs, right? Uh, Michael Keaton, maybe, maybe Ty, Josh. Do we see this in church history, but maybe repackaged a little different today? And if so, what is that? Oh, yeah. I mean, look at First Corinthians for mm-hmm. sexual issues, at least. I mean, there's homosexuality. It's the first biblical account of uh, lesbianism in First Corinthians. You have, even in the early church, you have this divide in some places of Jew and Gentile. I mean, you have this ethnicity divide there. So I, so I, I mean, obviously the Bible says that it's true, but yeah, I think it is right. kind of repackaged in a new way. I think one of the challenges we have with it too is is how do we how do we push back against some of this in a really thoughtful way? Um, because I see a lot of people in you know you'll get pastors that'll jump up in the pulpit and they'll start talking about how terrible social justice is, and it, right. you know on the face of it, if if you don't know the context that they're trying to aim at, what it sounds like they're saying is justice is terrible. Yeah, that's stupid, mm-hmm. right? That's completely counter to what we want to be actually speaking as a message. But sometimes people don't realize that when they, when they start to get defensive on these things, because the the issue has already been framed in language that puts us at a disadvantage. And if we don't understand that and then really know how to speak to it, we're, we're just going to be shooting ourselves in the foot, you know. And so part of the challenge with us, too, is just um, where are the issues where you know, there really is a good complaint about something that we can dismiss too quickly because we're like, oh, you're coming at this from the, the standpoint of social justice. I don't like that. So I'm just going to dismiss this issue. Right. And so it's a very challenging thing to walk that balance of being being biblical, of being solid, of being loving, of, of fighting for true justice and recognizing that, that can look different than the ways that it, it looks like uh, the way people think about it in the world. Um, and man, it's, it's so, there's so much wrapped up in it. And and I feel like very few people do it well because they either acquiesce or they just, you know, start lobbing bombs <laughs> and mm-hmm. don't know how to actually right. deal with it constructively. And how do we do that? I, I think there's probably a lot to be said about, um, you know, the, the church owning up to its faults, uh, yeah. where they exist. Um, totally. and, and the fact that, you know, I, I think probably and, and because I live in a non-religious culture in California, it's not it's not prevalently Christian, especially here in the Bay Area. It's not. Uh, and so it's one of those things where if you ask somebody, you know, like, do you go to church? No, no. It's like, why is the reaction like, no, I would never. It's like, why? Well, because it's full of hypocrites. Like the bars aren't. Come well, on. Well, OK. Like, so it's like. <laughs> So to be, to be fair though, like it, there there are there are churches that are filled with hypocrites, right? And sure, church, I don't know of one that isn't. <laughs> fair enough, touche. Yeah, but yeah. you know that's degree- the thing. I, I think I think the most the most the most important thing to me is that there is a reason why in, intelligent, emotionally involved, well biblically informed people can in fact be attracted to this. What is the attraction? And the attraction is something like this. You should care about your community. 
And if you don't, it's wrong. And I think that at totally. least at that point, we should be screaming amen in a half. But yes. beyond that, why should I care if God is not the backdrop of my caring? What is my obligation to anybody else except that they are in fact my neighbor that I am an under orders to love by obligation of my own Christ? I shouldn't need a social reform to tell me to love my neighbor. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And to speak on that, my the point I want to make is words have meaning. Language matters. And I think one of the biggest barriers we have right now is we don't define words. We don't define terms. Yeah. I mean, you brought up, we're supposed to love our neighbor. Absolutely. Bible says so 100%. What does mm-hmm. the word love mean? I mean, that's a huge thing. We have this general idea in most of the world that love is just, you know, love is love. I mean, that that yeah. in itself does not even make sense. Like, we define love by being love. But, I mean, I hear people all the time, atheists, have say, said, well, if God exists, the Bible says that God loves everybody. God is love, so I'm good because God loves me. It's like, okay, but you don't understand the meaning. What 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 does it mean for God to love the world? And then what does it mean to, for God to love somebody in Christ? Because there is a difference. There is a difference between those. God has a love for his whole creation. He causes the rain to fall upon the just and the unjust. But when you are in Christ, there is a fuller and more complete love there that is salvific, that is saving. I mean, if we're going to be biblical, hell exists and people will go there and God will send it to them because he loves them. I mean, that's what people don't understand. They they don't understand the things that they believe to be negative aspects of God's character, which we in our in a biblical sense can see that God is always good, altogether just, altogether loving. But the world sees it as negative and mean and evil and all this kind of stuff. Why would God do certain things if he loved people? Because we don't define love. We don't define terms. I mean, we call in most churches, they won't even say the word sin. Mm. They'll say brokenness or messed up or whatever. And it's like, I okay, sin is those things. But people need to understand that sin is what separates us from God. Sin is why Christ had to die. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think some of those words can be really useful in bridging gaps where people don't really understand sin or maybe don't accept it yet. Absolutely. And they need to kind of get that in their head in order to then get to the place where sin is meaningful to them. Um, but yeah, we certainly don't want to be dodging the word sin either, because that's what we're talking about. That's why we have, you know, the problems that we have in the world. It's the sin of both men and angels. You know, it's, it's a big deal. Yeah. And just to jump on that. I, I agree. I think there, you know, you look at where people are in their walk. Paul says, you know, I gave you milk when you should be eating solid food. So there is a time for milk. There right. is a time for a new believer or even a non-believer to have these kind of softer language used. But eventually you're going to have to put the bottle down and pick up the fork and start getting those mouthfuls. One eight fifty five four five zero six six two four. That number again. Eight fifty five four five zero six six two four. You are on the roundtable, the Complete Sinner's Guide. Go ahead. Hello there. This uh, question is for Jimmy. 
Uh, I'm here at the Bay Area Rescue Mission here in uh, Richmond, California. He does Bible studies here. And so I've been going to church most of my life. And um, I know what sharing the gospel is all about. And I've been going to churches that kind of know what it's about. But I'm just wondering when the church here in California as a whole will wake up to the fact that going and sharing the gospel with people is actually a command that Jesus mm told his disciples to continue to do. Um, and I hear pastors say something like, if you're not fishing, you're not following. But then at the same time, they're not doing any fishing. I, I, I planted myself in a church in Hercules, and I heard this from a pastor, and I was like kind of put off by it because I know of other places like places in Wisconsin, places in Indiana and Amish country and places in Texas, uh, places in Minneapolis, um, Florida. South Carolina, where there are churches like living, like actually living this out and going out and sharing the gospel, giving reports of this all the time. I'm seeing people get baptized. I'm seeing the the effect of people going out and sharing the gospel. I've seen people get baptized out here in the Bay, like just down the street from where I am at the mission. I've seen that happen. Um, there's like 100 churches here in Richmond, like literally 100 churches. We went to all 100 churches here in Richmond during a prayer week. And asked them if they would join us. We got three. Three out of 100. Literally three out of 100 came out and joined us for this prayer week and joined us for the revival. There ended up being about five or six. But it's crazy to think about. I mean, I don't understand how a pastor can preach from the pulpit and then say, if you're not fishing and if you're not fishing, you're not following. And then I go and ask him after the service, I was like, would you like to join us for this <clears throat> outreach where we go and share the gospel? Nope, I don't have time for that. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely disheartening. And I'll let Jimmy jump in uh, right after this. It, it is disheartening. Uh, to, to Jesus preached against this type of behavior. He called it hypocrisy, right? To preach, go fish, yeah. and then not to do that. So the command that you're talking about is actually found in Matthew 28. Uh, I just want to start at 18 because it's so important. Jesus says, he goes, or, or the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Matthew writes, verse 18, uh, Matthew chapter 28. Then Jesus came up and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Then we see this little yep. word there. It says therefore. So since yep. all authority on heaven or in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, if we think back to Luke four, whenever yep. Satan tempted Jesus to give him all authority, Jesus yep. got that anyway, right? So all authority has been given. Oh, oh yeah. The, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the yep. Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So where do we find Jesus' teachings that we're supposed to be teaching others? They're in the Gospels. They're in the uh, New Testament. They're in yep. the Old Testament even, right? And so, uh, but, yeah. but not, to, not to rattle off on that, but Jimmy, um, j just I was trying to just make the point, you know, that this is a command from Jesus to evangelize, to preach the God. Evangelism starts with the gospel, and in the second hour here in about 10 minutes, we're going to be discussing, uh, Joshua Sherman's going to be uh, leading us in a discussion about discipleship, so please stick around uh, and, and catch that. But uh, Jimmy, um, yeah. do you have, uh, since that question was actually directed toward you, um, what, what do you have to say about that, brother? And then Mike, um, if you want to jump in after Jimmy, um, we'll, then we'll take this out. 
Okay. Well, um, first off, uh, thank you for your call, Michael. I appreciate yes. that. That is awesome. Um, and um, I hope I hope other guys at the mission are tuning in right now because I gave out the website to you know everybody who would listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, um, to 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 what you asked, you you asked when the church in California is going to wake up to the fact that there is a yeah. command in scripture to, to speak up. Um, honestly, I think that the, the church is more likely to wake up if the people who are already roused begin to get louder. Um, what, yeah. what needs to happen is, is the people who are currently being the hands and feet for the Lord need to start working as, as efficiently as the army does in recruiting new people to join the cause and move yeah. forward because we're not, we're not yeah. called to give God our lip service. We're called to give God our life service. Yeah. And, and ultimately yeah. the first way that we can start doing that is through, uh, first off fighting sin to obedience so that your eyes can be opened further because obedience is the opener of eyes. And when you have your eyes open, you begin to see the need and then you begin to meet the need in your service. So obedience and service, that's what we got. That's what we're going to be able to do in order to wake up a sleepy church and not in a woke social movement, but through an actual move of the spirit of God within the people of God who are already awake to the need because of their obedience. The first thing we need is real purposeful obedience yeah amen oh yeah I Mike, go ahead definitely yeah uh yeah you it's, know uh, that's what we need that's what i've been praying for i mean i've been wanting that for a long time yes i stepped away from the faith for a while because i was really discouraged you know by mm-hmm. getting rejected by pastors and other people and not seeing fruit and of course i was kind of living in sin at the same time but um you know, witnessing baptisms, you know, right here in my own backyard, right here in Richmond and other people witnessing it and then going, oh, we don't really feel like going out with you and sharing the gospel this week. Well, why not? I mean, you said you would, but it's just like they expected me to be involved in their ministry, but didn't want to get involved in anything else. I mean, you know, well, don't let it don't let it discourage you too bad, bro, because. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to let it discourage me. Of course not. In some sense, it's, it's kind of a signpost to see where we've gotten. And the fact that you're aware means that as you begin to engage further in willful obedience, you'll get to a point where other people will notice and it'll either bother them or inspire them. And our faith is beginning to be something that's infectious, like a good infection. Yeah, right. That's a good question, bro. That was a good question. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm going to go eat dinner and I'm going to join you for your second half because the discipleship is is this, is even as important in going and sharing the gospel because discipleship is something that you it it's really important. A lot, a lot of people really know about it. You got to get your hands dirty. You got to invest right. in people's lives. Yeah, right. I mean, it's as important as going out and sharing the gospel. That's the second half of sharing the gospel, which is really, really, yeah. really important and something I really love to get involved with. So. Let me go eat, Amen. and I'll be joining you guys again. Thank you very much. Right on. Thank Thanks you, for boss. One eight fifty five four fifty six six two four. That number again eight five five four five zero six six two four. We're taking. You can add your voice to the conversation. Participate. Add a different point of view. Ask a question. We'd love to have you again. Eight fifty five four five zero six six two four. Mike, um, go ahead and touch on uh, what I think. What uh, Jimmy? What was the caller's name? Uh, Mike. His, his name was Michael also. <laughs> there you go. So there's that dualism again. So great. Uh, Mike, uh, go go ahead, buddy. 
Well, you know, I'd like to get back to the to the woke part. Actually, you know, anytime a portion of the church attempts to place the the moral mandates of the current cultural zeitgeist on equal footing or above the laws of God, I'm always reminded of J. Gresham Mason's Christianity and Liberalism. And even though that works now almost a century old, it's still massively apropos. There's always that section of the visible church that desires to placate the whims of the cultural paradigm, or even more often, to participate in or, or, or partake of this unbiblical worldly convention. And, and this is a hill that Christians must be willing to die on. And we need to pray for the strength to do so. Right justice is God's justice. Right morals are God's morals. People are to be judged on the merits of their own conduct, not their ancestors, and reconciliation and healing requires forgiveness. Because what we're facing now is wholly unique. We're in a position where we're being told by leaders in the church that there isn't one system of morals for everybody. Myself, for instance, I was born into the, the race that has the ascendancy in the so-called uh, current uh, uh, dynamic of power dynamic, right? So I can sin by doing something as simple as accepting an opportunity that might have went to somebody from an oppressed community. And some folks don't have to treat others in a fair way because those people might have benefited from corrupt apparatus that have been put in place a long time ago. So this is a wholly unique situation, and, and it's something that everybody needs to be involved in because we've never faced anything like it before as a church, not in the same way. Um, to go back to the caller, um, I know he's not on right now, but I also just wanted to make a, a quick <laughs> distinction. Yes, you know, we're commanded to go out and make disciples. That's for, for all Christians. But I do want to make sure there is the distinction between having the gift of evangelism and evangelizing. Mm. We're all called to evangelize, but I don't think everybody has that gift of evangelism where you stand out on the street or you Agreed. don't have to be Billy Graham. You don't have to be Billy Graham to go make disciples. You can right. do it in the coffee shop just as long as you are always ready to give uh, the excuse for the hope that lives inside of you to be able to Amen. do that, you know, that's evangelism is that you are willing to take that step to witness to somebody about the goodness of Christ. Yes. That's evangelism. You don't yes. have to be Billy Graham to be an evangelist. Yes. Amen. Right. I'm, glad, I'm so glad you brought that up, brother, because here's the thing. And, and practically everyone listening, you can start tonight evangelizing right you can start by someone in your family talk to your spouse talk to your closest person that is with you that's that's who i would start with don't think every single person because this is something i ran into in the beginning kind of stages of my christian experiences i thought i had to talk to everybody on the street and let's just be honest we can't do that okay yes here's the beautiful thing just that desire alone within you is pretty proof positive if you want to talk to people about jesus like man i wish i could just talk to this guy about it do it you know if you if you feel called to talk to somebody on the about the gospel god forbid quench the spirit don't do that but what I'm trying to say is don't feel ashamed because you didn't get to um, evangelize to somebody. Here's the cool thing. Think about it like this. This is a cool little story that happened to me. I was talking to somebody about Jesus. Lo and behold, they had no—I I haven't heard from them. Somebody was listening to the conversation I was having with someone else. I didn't—I had no idea. I had no idea. This person called me a couple weeks later and said, Hey, I was kind of eavesdropping on the conversation you were having with so-and-so, and I wanted to ask you a couple questions. That person, from my knowledge now, is a professing believer in Christ because of a conversation that didn't even happen with her. 
So don't ever think <laughs> that somebody's not listening, especially if you're talking to somebody about Jesus in the coffee shop like Ty brought up. If you're talking mm -hmm. to somebody about Jesus, somebody, God is doing his work. Whether you're intending it for person A, he might be intending it for person B. And that happened to me uh, personally. So I just kind of wanted to share that uh, with everybody. You know, to give an encouragement, you don't have to be Billy Graham. Start if you want to start tonight, start with your children, start with your spouse. If you're not married, start with your girlfriend or, or, or your uh, um, bride to be or husband to be. If that doesn't work, if you're single, start with your mother, start with your father, start with a brother, a sister, anyone, your closest friend. Tell them about Jesus Christ, because let me tell you something. It's a, just as natural conversation as me telling somebody about my wife, how awesome she is, what she done for me that day. That's all the gospel is, is telling people about what Jesus did for them. He rose from the dead. He died for sins. But Isaiah says that, and, and I want to get into Psalm 51. I believe that there is, you know, there's a debate, a fundamental little debate within Christianity right now. It's very, it, it is serious. There's a serious aspect to it, but about whether the sinner's prayer is in the Bible or not. It is, and it's Psalm 51. That's the sinner's prayer, okay? And, and, and so I want to read that because I think it touches on what was stated earlier. And forgive me, I forget who said it, maybe Ty, but about talking about discipleship and starting, or maybe Joshua, but starting with yourself. No, it was Jimmy, sorry. <laughs> starting with yourself and then branching out. That Practically, Christianity begins tonight. The, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, today is the day of salvation. And for people who are born again, for people who aren't born again, today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, if you hear his voice, Jesus said it all the time, you with ears, listen to me, listen to what I'm saying. So if your heart's not so hard that you can't hear his voice, and if you're listening to this and that's the case, I would worry. Get on your knees and beg to God. If you if you hear his voice, if you think this is just all hogwash, let's talk. Um, email me completecenter at gmail dot com. Maybe I can change your mind. Uh, I, I I will try. But anyway, with that being said, it's, I I get off on these little rants sometimes. Forgive me. Um, but any but we've got we've got about a minute left. Uh, Noah, would you mind just bringing us out um, in, into the uh, to the. Uh, Oh, the, that little thing where we wait for a the little break. bit and then come well, back. No, that yeah, thing. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Geez, Tyler, Tyler, Tyler. That's you're doing it. it all wrong. Here's what you got to do. It's fine. I'm no, human. We, no, no. We don't run the clock down. We tell people about the exciting second episode that's coming up in 38 seconds, 37 seconds, 36 seconds and counting. <laughs> no, but really, it's, it's going to be a short break. And then and then we're back with the second episode. Yes. Uh, and we're going to continue the discussion. We're going to dig. We're going to dig deeper. Uh, and, and we're going to continue. So we invite you to continue to participate. You can call us 1-855-456-624. That number again, 855-450-6624. If it's your first time joining us, the show starts every Friday, 6 p.m. Central. Streams at KQQ88.3 at KQQRadio.com. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 and we hang out. We have this conversation. You have the opportunity to participate. So first hour ends now. Second hour up next. This is the Complete Center's Guide. Take it!